Last week we were talking about anxiety, and I didn't get finished with it. We got halfway through with it, and I just felt like really what is going on with the number of people that are saying they're struggling with anxiety and everything that's culturally going on in our world, that there was more to it than even just trying to rush it together and put it all together. So we're continuing this week where we picked up, where we left off last week, we're going to pick up with that, but we're going to do a quick recap. I just want to remind you that this is a pastoral message. This isn't as much meant to be uh, rah, 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 get you everybody all excited, but it's to give us the core values of what is going to help us live life, where the rubber meets the road kind of message. So some of the scriptures that we looked at last week, I just absolutely love. So Romans 8, 26. I love this. It says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. And that really just speaks to me at such a core level. And really, it could be almost like a mic drop. You could just say that scripture and just drop it and just walk away. And that's all there is there. I love that God recognizes that I have weaknesses, that in my weakness, he is strong. There's a place for him in my weaknesses, but he helps us through that. He doesn't intend us to stay there. He helps us in and through our weaknesses. I love that. Verse 28 in Romans 8 says, And we know that God causes everything to work together. We dug in this really big last week, so I'm not going to go back into that as deep. as. But I just want to remind you, it's God who is working together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. We're called according to his purpose, but those who love God, those who are in the path of God, those that are just plugging in and saying, okay, God, I want to know you, first of all. First of all, I know that's the very, very, very first thing. I have to know you. And then I want to find freedom. Then I want to discover why I'm here. And then I want to make a difference. Those are the purposes that God has in my life. Then we looked at 1 Peter 5, verse 7. It says, cast all your anxiety on him, for he cares for you. Cast your anxieties. So it's not like we're going to go through life and everything's going to be perfect. We're not going to have any struggles. We're not going to have any anxieties. We're not going to have any things that are trying to like pull us down or trying to destroy us. God recognizes we are going to have that. And he says, cast all of that on me. So take all of this, instead of trying to do it on your own, take everything that's on you and throw it, literally, all your anxiety on me. I love the last part. Because he cares for you. He cares for you. He has a plan for you. He cares for you. He doesn't want you walking through life carrying your anxieties. He doesn't want you just trying to do life on your own. He doesn't want you trying to just figure it out by yourself, trying to see how this is all going to work out. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. He wants you to cast it all onto him because he cares for you, because he loves you. We looked at the last part of that scripture last week. It says, resist the devil and stand firm in faith. And we looked at, there's some core things that we have to do to be able to stand firm, to, to walk in our faith. We looked at last week, um, finances, and talked about that God's called us to tithe. And he says, try me, put me to the test. 
And, and I gave you, I told you guys the story about me um, personally and how whenever I was faced with paying tithe or paying my electric bill is about to get shut off, that I had that struggle that went inside of me. That was a rubber meeting the road moment for me. That was a place where I was like struggling. Do I really, really, really believe it? Even though I'd been in it for a long time, it was a place that I really came down to. There's a lot of anxiety going on because I didn't want my family without electricity. Did I really trust God? You see, when he says, try me in this, see if I won't pour out. See if I won't make this thing happen for you. He's saying, you can commit your financial stresses, your financial anxieties on me when you've done what I've asked you to do. We looked at finances as one of the major areas of stress at a marriage or personally. It's one of the two top reasons people get divorces. God has something to say about that. I'm not talking about it because we're trying to get you to tithe more. It's about you not having stresses in your life. It's about overcoming financial anxieties. Another source of great source of anxiety is decisions. Am I supposed to go this direction? Am I supposed to do this choice? Am I supposed to work here? Am I supposed to go here? Is there another place I don't even see yet? What, what am I supposed to do? And I, I just see that picture of the person that's like holding their head and it's like, ah, decisions. Which way am I supposed to do? And we looked at committing your ways to God. Psalm 37 says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. But again, he's talking about being on the path, the steps of the godly, being in the path of God, saying, God, I want to walk in your paths. I want to follow your leading. He so delights in every detail going, man, look at what they're doing. Look how it's going. Look at the decision they just made. Wow, look how it's, it's just all coming together. And the next, next verse says, though they stumble, because he knows we have weaknesses. He knows we're not going to always be perfect all the time. They will not fall. They will never fall. For the Lord holds them by the hand. I talked about holding Vivi by the hand. Or my children when they were younger by the hand. And, and I, I've got them holding on really tight. And, and she can stumble. They can stumble, and they may trip and do, and they may pull on my arm a little bit, but they're not going down because why? Because I'm holding their hand. God, that's the same thing I'm doing here. You may stumble, but when you're holding on to my hand, you're not going to fall. I am involved in every part of your life. We looked at anxiety as a part about control, and when you can't control things in your life, things can start spinning beyond your abilities. And if you're trying to control your own destiny, you are certainly facing a resulting anxiety because we can't control anything. Jesus even talked about it in the Beatitudes. He goes, what can you do with worrying to make your next breath come, to extend your life one day? What is any of that going to do for you? How is that going to benefit you at all? we got to trust in the Lord. And then I told you guys a story about me learning to swim and, and learning to backfloat. And the, the instructor's standing there holding me. And I'm having to surrender. And, you know, like, relax. But I don't want to relax because I feel like I've got to do something. But it's in that place of surrendering 
trusting that was actually able to float. We've got to surrender. See, the plan of God for your life is for you to make a difference. But you can really never make a difference until you surrender your life to God. Then we talked about Psalm 91, and, and I hope you read through it this week. And, and it's a great scripture to go and just pray when you don't know what to pray. When you're faced with stuff, and I just want to encourage you to personalize it. Make it personal. When I set under the shadow of the Almighty, I will fear no evil. Put yourself in there. Make it about you. Personalize it. So now here we're picking up where we left off last week with Psalm 1, verse 1. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with the sinners or join in with the mockers. And I want to I paint a picture here that there is the world's way and there's God's way. So the same way that we have the path of God that we're looking at that he says, hey, if you're following me, if you're in my path, if you're just following my direction for your life, this is what's going to happen. There's also the direction of the world. And here we see it. It's people who follow the advice of the wicked or they stand around with sinners or they join in with the mockers, like making fun of everybody. It's like there's people like, oh, you're never going to make it. That's not going to work out for you. What are you thinking? It says, oh, the joys of those who do not. Painting the comparison between the two. You know which is the easy way? To join out the wicked. To listen to those that are not making godly decisions. Those who are mocking people. It's real easy to join the crowd. Verse 2 says, but they, those who do not do this, but they delight in the law. Man, when I read that, I think law, it's like, I think about red light cameras. I think about the cop that's hiding in the bushes, running radar, trying to get me one mile an hour over what he's going to pull me over. He's going to introduce himself to me. And, you know, he's going to want me to, he wants to see my signature. He wants to cost me some money. I think negatively about the law. So when I hear they delight in the law, it's like, I don't delight in the law. That doesn't make me excited about the law, but the word law literally means the teachings, the instructions, or the customs. So look at that in a different light. But they, those who do not follow the world's way, delight in the teachings, the instructions, or the customs of the Lord. And they meditate on it day and night. You see, we can delight in the way of God, the customs of God. How does God do things? The way he does things is says, hey, you don't have to do it on your own. Cast your cares on me. Hey, I'm interested in every detail of your life. I want to know everything that's going on. Delight in the customs. Delight in the teachings. That's what we get when we come to church on Sunday. That we're getting the teachings of God. We're getting instruction in the ways of God. We're learning how he does things. Delight in that. Verse 3. For they are like trees planted along the riverbank. Bearing fruit each season. 
that kind of just jumped out at me, bearing fruit in each season. Because that's not normal. It's not normal for a tree to always have fruit in every season. But God says, when you're planted firmly in and your, your roots are going deep, you're getting that nourishment that only comes from me, in every season of your life, you're going to be bearing fruit. What does that look like? That means like it shouldn't be happy today in what you're going through. You shouldn't be experiencing the joy of the Lord in the circumstances of what you're going through. But it's there. You shouldn't be experiencing peace. You've cast your care upon the Lord. You're firmly planted in him. It says their leaves nev- never wither. And they prosper in all that they do. Now, what would cause a leaf to wither? Not having water. If it's not getting the rain, if it's not firmly got those roots that are going down into that riverbank that's going in and just getting that source of water, then it's going to wither when the sun comes out. But when it's firmly planted by the water, by the riverbank, they're not going to wither because it's getting, no matter what's going on, no matter how, sun, how hot the sun is and how it's trying to bake down on, it's getting its source from something other than what's around it. See, that's the picture that David's painting here. The delight in the Lord, getting involved in God's ways, getting in God's plan, following him, walking in those steps and going, God, what is my next step? Delighting in the Lord. See, those struggling with anxiety need to unburden. They need to cast. You need to cast. I need to cast all those burdens onto him and say, okay, I'm going to plug in. One of the ways we cast our burdens away from him, one of the core things is rest. Now, I'm preaching to myself just as much as I'm preaching to you, and my wife's going to remind me of this, no doubt, many times over this week, but one of the things that God is so intent upon is rest. It's one of the Ten Commandments for crying out loud. Here he is, God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. He spends six days creating the earth. He doesn't need a rest. He's God, but he says, I'm going to give you a pattern, and on the seventh day, I'm going to rest. So no matter what I'm going through, No matter what I'm struggling with, no matter what I come against, I need to take that day and rest as well. Now, I'm not going to suggest to you that it's got to be Sunday or it's got to be Saturday. It's got to be one day that you're taking out of the seven that you say, okay, God, I'm just going to trust you. But you see where the trust comes in, if you're like me, is I think, well, I, I haven't met my goal for my budget yet this weekend. I really need to go out there and work. If I just work this seventh day, then I'm going to make more money and I'm going to be, and God knows I need to take care of my family and God knows I need to do this and and I got to do this. And where am I trusting? Can it comes back to that person teaching me how to float? Can I surrender? Can I surrender to God and say, God, I trust that it is you who is accomplishing this. That it is you that's my provider. 
It is you who are giving me the strength. It is you who's giving me the wisdom for this decision. It is you that's giving me the outcome that I'm believing for. Who am I trusting in? I have to have rest. Can I trust in you? Can I delight in all of his ways? The other way is worshiping him. You know, the first 20 minutes of our service isn't to give the people who are running late time to get here. It's the most important. We're creating an atmosphere for God. We're creating that atmosphere of worship. And this altar is created for a place for us to come down. And it's one of my wife's favorite places to come during the service, just to come over to a corner, just out of the way, not about seeing there. I can't wait till we have so many people here that the altars are full during worship. See, because things will happen at this altar that will not happen anywhere else. And that's the perfect place to come and say, God, I'm trusting in you. I'm surrendering. Can I tell you a story about myself? That I, when we were still living in Florida, I had a computer business and I was struggling with a a client issue and it was really, really, really bad. It was really difficult. And we're going to Tampa to see Tommy Tenney in a conference for the whole weekend. And I was struggling mentally because of all the stuff that was work. I'd left work, but work was still with me, if you follow what I'm saying. And I was struggling with it and I was not in the right frame of mind. I was struggling so desperately bad. And I was even thinking as I'm driving there, my wife had no clue of everything, but I was even thinking, there's no way I'm even going to receive anything from this conference we're going to. There's no way. And I love Tommy Tenney. He's one of my favorite ministers to listen to. And I'm not going to get anything out of this because this thing is just like claws in my brain. And as we're driving up there, I felt the Spirit of God says, can you worship me through this? I can't stop thinking about it. How in the world am I going to worship you through this? I said, I'm going to do it. We got there, and I'm telling you, my hands were lifted higher. I'm like standing on my tippy toes, and I'm singing louder, and I'm giving him everything I have in worship. I'm talking about I'm not leaving anything in the cup. I'm pouring it all out, and I'm banging it on the table to get it all out. God, here's all of my worship. And he did a miracle in my life in that place. He did something in me. The anxiety I had going into that day, into that service, into that weekend was unreal. But in worship, he did something in me. God desires our worship but not just because he wants to hear us say something. He wants it to be us surrendering our lives to him. Say, God, I give it all to you. Even when I don't know how it's going to work out, there's no way I can even see it, I'm going to surrender my life. And I worship you. And these altars are open every Sunday, every service that we have. I encourage you to come up here, find a corner, be up front, kneel down, whatever it is. God will meet you in a way that he won't anywhere else.
It's an amazing time. We have to control our thoughts. Controlling our thoughts comes better when we're rested. Comes better when we're worshiping him. But you see, it is also an active thing we have to do. In 2 Corinthians 10, in the NASB, I love this. Paul is also talking about coming from the standpoint of we know it and that we're doing it. But if you're like me, I still don't know it sometimes and I'm not doing it, but I love the way he phrases it. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Can I suggest to you again, here's two different paths. There are speculations and lofty things that raise up against the knowledge of Christ. There is the world's way and there is God's way. We are constantly forced with which way are we going to go? Which one are we going to listen to? And he says, we destroy those speculations and every lofty thing that rises up against the knowledge, the ways of God, the things of God, where he's trying to take us to. And we are taking every thought captive. So a thought comes into my mind and I have the choice. Am I going to allow it to stay there? Or am I going to take it captive? Am I going to judge this thought that came in? See, because we can't control the thoughts that come into our head. But we can control if it stays there. Paul's telling us here, we destroy those things. We judge them against the obedience of Christ. The ways of God. Remember where it says we're we're just dwelling on them. We're meditating on them day and night. I've got this comparison. So as as I'm sitting here reading through the book of John with everybody in my church this month, and I I read how Jesus dealt with this, and then this thought comes into my mind. It's like, this isn't how Jesus would have talked. This isn't what Jesus said about this. This isn't what Jesus did in this situation. Wait, my thoughts are not his thoughts. I need to destroy those things that are not godly thoughts. I need to take those thoughts captive, and I need to throw them away. In the Message Bible, Second Corinthians 10.4, I love the way it kind of phrases this and sets it up. It says, For the tools of our trade are not for marketing or manipulation, but they are for demolishing that, entirely, that entire massively corrupt culture. Man, if ever there's a time that we are living in a massively corrupt culture. It is today. You see, even 2,000 years ago, God was giving us tools to be able to handle this. Then he goes on to the next scripture. It says, we use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies and tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God. Again, there's the world's way and there's God's way. Fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of a life shaped by Christ. This jumps out at me. I want to have this like written on my wall somewhere. The structure of a life shaped by Christ. Who do I want to be? 
What do I want the outcome in my life to be? Do I want it to just be whatever the world's way is, whatever just happens, all those people that just will tear me down and pull me down that bad path? Or do I want to live a God-shaped life? But the only way I can live a structure of a life shaped by Christ is to surrender my life. A life shaped by Christ, not by me. Not by doing my own thing. Not just saying, hey, whatever I think, whatever I, 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 I think it should be. Just like that person who taught me how to back float. Surrender. Can I surrender to God? And see, we talked about it last week, but that surrendering to God may be the first time maybe you've never accepted Christ, or maybe you've accepted Christ, but you've walked far away from him, or maybe you, you're walking with God, but you've never completely surrendered everything to him. And you say, man, I, I'm, not, I'm not really there yet of living a life shaped by Christ. A mentor of mine, Mike Massey, he was an instructor at Christ for the Nations when I was a student, and he's still there, and thankfully Lenore and Andrew both got to have him. He wrote in 2012, and it just popped up as a memory on Facebook, and I love what he wrote. He said, repentance is not always about sin, but thinking like God thinks. I'll say it again. Repentance, where I'm going this way and I need to turn around and go another way, Okay, repentance isn't always about sin. So it is definitely about sin. So when you're going down a path and God says, no, I don't want you doing that anymore. And he says, hey, let's go the other way. Okay, it is definitely about sin, but he says it's not always about sin. It can be about how God thinks. In closing, I want us to look at Psalm 3. I'm sorry, Proverbs 3. Kind of summarizes everything of what we're talking about. Verse 5, he says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord and lean not unto your own understanding. So he's saying right there, there is the God way And there's the world's way. He's painting the picture of the battle that you may be struggling with. You're pulled from one way or the other. He's like, trust in the Lord. Jump in the plan of God. It's not what you think. Don't just lean on what you think or your own understanding. Verse 6, but in all your ways, submit to him. Submit to God. Surrender your life to God. And he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Don't just listen to you, but fear or worship the Lord. Shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Pay your tithes. Do what God's called you to do with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled with overflowing and your vats will will brim over with new wine. We close your eyes. Bow your heads with me. See, Proverbs is bringing it all together. He's like, trust in the Lord. Don't just do your own thing. Follow God. 
Surrender your life to God. Walk in His path. Walk where He tells you to walk. Submit yourself to Him. Have health in your body. Find rest in the Sabbath. Commit your finances to God. All these things that are the number one stressors, the number one places of anxiety. David and Proverbs, sorry, Solomon and Proverbs is saying, listen, give it to God. Surrender to Him because He cares for you. Cast it all to God. Take all that anxiety, that thing that's trying to pull you down, that thing that's trying to sidetrack you, that, that decision, those thoughts, those, those anxieties that are just trying to overcome you. Take them and give them all over to God and say, God, here's my finances. Trust in you. God, here's my thoughts. I'm giving them over to you. God, here's my path. There's my direction. Here's my choices. I'm going to meditate on you. I'm going to learn your instruction. I'm going to learn your ways. I'm going to learn the culture and the custom of heaven. Father God, we need you. Lord, I'm challenged as much as anyone else that's listening to me, whether they're listening live on the stream, Lord, or MP3, watching the video on our YouTube channel, or sitting here in this service. God, I need you. I'm so thankful you've given me true rubber meeting the road practical things that I can do to change my life. God, I trust you with my finances. I tithe. I trust you with my mind. I commit my ways to you. Lord, I surrender all the useless stuff that comes against me with those that are around me that are trying to tell me worldly things. Lord, And I want to learn the customs and instructions you have. Lord, I'm going to take time to just rest, to have a Sabbath. Lord, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to pour out me. I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for everyone listening to me. In the sound of my voice, God, Father, I just ask us all to be in the place that we need to be with you. And today you would say that I'm far from God, whether it's first time or coming back. Maybe you would say, I'm walking with Christ, but I really haven't surrendered. I want us all to pray this prayer. You don't have to pray it out loud. If you want to be counted in, whether you're any of those categories... And I'm telling you, I'm, I'm praying this prayer myself this morning as well. I'm leading the way. I'm just helping us all with the words. Just say this with me. Jesus, I need you. I want you. Today, I surrender my life to you. 
I surrender my thoughts. I surrender my will. I surrender my future. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Be the Lord of my life. I want to walk in your path. I want to reject the ways of the world. Jesus, I believe you died, you were buried, and you rose again. Today, I put my faith in you. And I declare you as my Lord, my God, and my friend. Today, I give you my life. I surrender everything. The best way I know how, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to meditate on your word. under the shadow as it talks about in Psalm 91. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.